Hello, hello there. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. It is Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern time zone on July 19. Good to have everyone here for a live recording of the 360 podcast. Today, I will have uh, my amazing returning guest, Imad Bariali, who's, uh, who's uh, been on the podcast previously in the past to talk about some amazing, interesting topics. And I have Imal back today with me again to uh, speak about another interesting topic, which is the three stages of a business analyst career path. So if you're a business analyst, you have an interest in the business analysis uh, profession or career path, this is definitely an episode you do not want to miss. So make sure you uh, stay tuned in, get ready to take notes, and also make sure you hit us up with a like and a share. Uh, and uh, make sure you let your, your friends, your colleagues, your associates who might be interested in this particular episode know. Uh, and, and make sure they tune in. I will be bringing them all out shortly. Um, and uh, don't be shy. Feel free to say hello in the comments. Uh, for those of you tuning in for the first time, my name is Dean Kolawira, and I do these episodes uh, and bring in amazing guests from the tech industry, from talent acquisition, from business, entrepreneurship, uh, all across the board to talk about uh, various aspects of what they do. Uh, so make sure you hit us up with a like and a share. And uh, sh I will be bringing on Imal shortly. I see some of the comments coming in. Now, before I bring on Imal, I just wanted to give a very quick message from the sponsor of my stream today. And that is the 2023 Evolve Tech Summit, which is coming up on, um, on um, uh, I believe it's yeah August 5th. Uh, and it's going to be an amazing event. Uh, if you want to get the tickets, the tickets can be, can be purchased at nipca.ca forward slash Evolve. And uh, with incredible speakers, founders, thought leaders, hiring managers, and recruiters, it's time to level up at the Evolve Tech Summit. The Evolve Tech Summit is a transformational event that promises professional networking, thought leadership sessions, tech industry insights, AI and the future of work, job opportunities, speed mentorship and sponsorships, awards and recognition, foods, drinks, and music as well. You do not want to miss this particular uh, event for anything, folks. Just a few tickets left, and make sure you get yours at nipca.ca forward slash evolve. Again, that's nipca.ca, N-I-P-C-A dot uh, C-A forward slash evolve 2023 for more information and to get your tickets. I will actually be one of the panelists uh, at, at one of the, the panel discussions that will be taking place. So definitely look forward to meeting all of you in person for those of you who are uh, looking to tune in. Uh, now, moving on to my amazing guest today, I have again, as mentioned, Imal Bariali in the house with me. Now, for those of you who don't know Imal, Imal is a senior business analyst and business architect with 17 years of experience executing nearly 20 projects. He has experience in both waterfall and agile methodologies and has delivered solutions in a variety of forms, including custom builds and turnkey projects. He holds a master's degree in information systems from the University of Toronto, a bachelor's degree information technology from York University and a post diploma in software and database development from Seneca College. He's also the founder of BABlocks.com where he's dedicating his time to teaching business, business analysis to the next generation of BA professionals. So folks, join me in giving Imal a warm welcome in the comments. Uh, Imal, Great to have you here as usual. I love having you as a returning guest. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. Thank you for having me. I love being here. I love being here. One of yes. my favorite shows to watch and one of my favorite shows to be on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and folks, by the way, I just learned today that Imal actually does does some some artwork himself. So some of those those images you see in the background, uh, like Imal, you did it yourself. Is that right? Yeah, I painted both of these myself and I have them up on a website that's being redeveloped right now. But I have a collection of, I think, around 25 different pieces that 
uh, I've painted myself. So yeah, this one right here is actually meant to, on theme for today's talk, it's meant to represent personal growth. Right. And so I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that when, when the uh, website's ready. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Definitely look forward to that. And, and look, I'm, I'm all, I'm, I'm very impressed by people that can draw and do art because the best I can do is stick people. Like, you know, that's as far as I can go with art. So uh, that's great to know. So, so Imal, I mean, let's get into today's topic. So we're going to be speaking about the three state. Well, not we, you're going to be speaking about the three stages of a business analyst career. Now, kind of to set the foundation, what is career progression and why is it important to the BA career? Career progression is a business analyst's ability to move their career forward in a meaningful way. That's the simplest way I can define it. All right. And when it comes to progression, the reason why it's important for business analysts to understand progression strategies is because there are kind of what I like to call the default strategy that most people follow, which doesn't allow them to reach their own full potential or their full potential when it comes to harvesting the value, uh, when it, uh, income related value. So mm -hmm. many people who just leave their careers to follow the default progression strategy, they're, um, they're essentially not making the most out of their own abilities and they're not making, they're not pulling in the kind of income they probably could be if they followed what we call the value-based progression strategy for business analysts. And, uh, I'll, I'll share a couple of other things. Maybe we can dive into that right now. If, uh, if uh, you share the screen, maybe I can kind of elaborate on that and then we can just kind of do some Q and A if, uh, if that works. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Now, before we get into that, Imal, just a quick question. Why do people do that? Like, is it, is it like a, just a convention, a, a mistake based on conventional wisdom where people kind of follow this linear path? Why do people make the mistake of, of, as you mentioned, uh, you know, kind of, I guess in a sense, slowing down or restricting their, their personal growth in this career? I think many people just don't know that the value-based career progression is even a thing. I think it's as simple as that. I think a lot of folks who become business analysts really just don't, they think that career progression is, I'm going to spend time at my company, do the same job, and hopefully I get promoted, or if I find a promotional opportunity in my company, I'll, I'll take it. Most people, I think, are not putting in, um, most people who don't progress in their careers are not, um, they, they maybe don't understand the different strategies that exist that we're going to talk about. Um, and they're likely just kind of following the default path because you it's just a go with the flow mentality. Mm. And um, I think for a lot of folks, when they just kind of fall into a certain track, they may not, they might have some blinders on and not be able to actually even see what the other possibilities are. And so there tends to be, I think, a very small group of people in the business analysis profession who are really just pursuing that path because they've discovered it on their own. I personally had to discover it on my own because nobody taught me this. And what I've learned out of my own career is what I'm now teaching to everybody else. So hopefully for the folks that haven't kind of seen the kind of career progression that they wanted in their careers, hopefully what we're talking about today and the illustrations that I'll show today makes it crystal clear about what kind of actions they need to start taking to, to achieve that. Gotcha. All right. Uh, so let's, uh, let, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and share your screen here. Uh, and yeah, please uh, do take the stage and, uh, and run us through this. Yeah. This is a very simple picture that we use to kind of illustrate the fact that um, there's a trade-off 
between time and value, or there's a relationship between time and value. And when it comes to the different stages of a business analyst career, there are usually different skill sets that are needed to be able to actually move from stage one to stage two to stage three. So I won't dive into this in detail uh, yet, because I want to, first of all, just talk about this concept of career progression a little bit. The next image that we have here shows us Justin, the junior analyst, all right? And so this is a kind of a, one of the analysts that we have in our model organization that we used to teach. But Justin is a junior analyst who has somewhere between one to three years of experience. He started his career at a very large enterprise doing business and systems analysis related work. And his job right now is to work on existing solutions that exist mm -hmm. by handling enhancement requests and doing bug fixes, essentially. That's his full-time permanent job as a business analyst. At this point in his career, he has really two different tra trajectories that he can follow, right? The first trajectory that I've kind of outlined here, which follows the time-based uh, progression strategy, shows us that Justin can look to the future five years out or 10 years out and still achieve an intermediate level position or a senior level position in their career, right? But following this path has a very different strategy behind it than following the value-based career progression strategy. Because if he is following this time-based strategy here, what he's essentially doing is that he is relying on time to give him progression. And so he's right. not doing what needs to be done to follow this trajectory here yet. He's just saying, I'm gonna to continue to do the same job and hopefully I get promoted or hopefully a position opens up where I could aim for it to see if I can get you know, into an intermediate position or that eventually I'll be able to get into a more senior position. But what you can notice here is, is that the work that he's doing at the junior level doesn't change throughout this progression. Because in this correct career strategy, there's a high chance that Justin's gonna continue to work on existing systems. May have more complicated challenges, but it's really time that's giving him his seniority and not his skill set. Because he's doing the same job, a position opens up, the company says, okay, well, you've been with us for four years, here's an intermediate level position. Or you've been with us for 10 years, eight to 10 years, here's a senior level position, right? That it seems to be, from my observations, it seems to be the default path that most business analysts follow. And so there isn't a whole lot of difference in the type of work that they're doing between these three different stages, even though they have the job title of a senior analyst or an intermediate analyst. Right. So so basically what you're saying, Imal, is that the time-based model is basically someone's someone starts out as a BA and they're like, okay, if I, if I put in the time, uh, you know, stick it out with this particular company or, or, or continue down this path, the more I stay in this line of work, the more I'm, I'm going to pot potentially or possibly or hopefully, uh, um, uh, I guess, progress as a BA. Is that kind of what, what it That's is? That's right. That's right. I'm going to put in the time and I'll eventually be senior, essentially, okay. is the mentality okay. behind this. And again, it's not, um, I've had that same mentality very early in my career until I started to do a lot of, I put a lot of work into career strategy to get to where I am today, uh, to follow this other path. But I think the majority of folks just kind of think that that's the way progression works. And I think 
many people just don't even understand that there's a different strategy they can employ. Yeah. And that different strategy is this value-based strategy that um, bit of a typo here, but this value-based strategy is very different because what a business analyst is essentially doing in this value-based strategy is, is that they are building a solid foundation for themselves at this level. <clears throat> but what they're saying is that I'm not going to wait for time to make me into an intermediate. They're saying, I'm going to see how I can start to produce more value and I'm going to try to progress my career, accelerate the progression of my career by focusing very like laser like focus on value to my customers and to my clients. And the surefire way to do that is for somebody like a Justin to aim to become somebody like an Ingrid who already is an intermediate analyst. And the difference between these two roles is, is that Justin, again, works on existing systems and solutions, but Ingrid helps to design and deliver new systems and solutions. And so what right. Ingrid is in, is is doing for that same employer is is that she's taking on project work, right? Whereas Justin is just doing post project work. And so typically, what happens in most companies is, is that they go through a process where they have to fund a solution. Then they they, ha they have a long period of project where they have to actually build a solution. Justin works at the post-project phase after that solution is built to help me do that, right? Lower in value than because the complex. Uh, Imala, it's, it's, it sounds like your audio and video is kind of uh, lagging. So you're lagging a little bit. Yeah. Are we okay now? Uh, yeah, it seems better now. No, it looks like uh, looks like there's a bit of a lag. Are you still there, Imal? Yeah, I'm still here. Uh, maybe try turning off your camera. Maybe that that might make a difference. Yeah. For now. All yeah. right. Hopefully, I'm still coming through here. Yeah. yeah perfect. Yeah. Your audio is fine now. Where I was um, kind of left off here is is that. The difference between Justin's role and Ingrid's role is the fact that Ingrid helps to deliver new systems. And the skills that she needs to do that are more advanced than the skill set that Justin would have. Right. And so when somebody is following this um, value-based career progression strategy, what they're doing is they're actively looking to get themselves into a position where they are now helping to deliver projects instead of just doing maintenance work, right? So they're actively looking for those types of positions and they're within their own company or wherever else they need to. And what they're doing is they're looking for opportunities to upskill themselves so they can actually deliver at that higher level of value, if that makes sense. And so this progression-based strategy is the strategy that lets a business analyst push their career much more quickly into the stratosphere. And so uh, a Justin the Junior analyst would essentially can get way farther in his career way more quickly if he starts to follow that strategy. Takes a lot more effort, takes a lot more research and development and a lot of more skills development. But the trade-off is, is that it has a huge impact on the income that 
a business analyst can make if they follow this kind of a strategy. So what I'm showing on the screen right now is the trajectory that my own career has taken from the time I started as a junior analyst to the point where I became an intermediate level analyst to the point in November of 2022 was when I finished my last client engagement up here. And I finished that client engagement at 5X the income that I had when I had first started. That's amazing. And so the, when I speculate about what my career could have looked like if I just relied on the time-based, I would say best case scenario, I probably would have maybe 3X my income. And even that is a huge stretch, right? Mm -hmm. I think I probably between there and there, maybe I would have two and a half times my income, possibly 3X if I had maybe moved organizations or something. But the reason why we promote this career strategy is because it has a huge impact on a person's ability to really boost their income by providing more value. Mm -hmm. Okay, gotcha. All right, sounds good. Uh, and uh, in terms of a timeline, uh, and, and well, actually, before we get into the timeline of, of how, how they can, people can ex execute on this, in a bit more detail, Imal, can you describe the, the three stages that and how should people kind of map that out? So the best way to understand the three stages, let me see if I have a, a little bit of material here to share. You know what? I'll go right here and share our... The best way to actually understand that is by looking at our industry standards, okay? So IIBA is the industry standard that essentially defines what business analysis is for our profession, and they're the ones that certify business analysts. If you look at figure 1.1.1, right on page two of our body of knowledge, you see that an analyst has work that do pre-project, project, and post-project. Somebody like a Justin, is at the post-project phase here when, and their next stage of progression really is into the project phase. And then their next stage of progression after that is to get into the pre-project and to do to do kind of strategy analysis work mm -hmm. rather, than, rather than doing the requirements analysis and design definition that they talk about. So the way that a business analyst should seek to progress is by Looking at the BA buck, I know many folks find it very daunting to wade through that document, and I do not blame them. It's uh, it's very comprehensive, but the BA buck can give you a lot of insights into what kind of skills you need at each of these three stages. If they don't, if they're not interested in doing that research, the research themselves, we provide that shortcut. Right, the shortcut essentially is the set of skills that I had shown on this slide here. If you want a shortcut to what those skills are, this is your answer. Take a screenshot of this page and make this your career progression strategy, essentially. If you are interested in kind of custom tailoring your career, there's more research you have to do. But a, a Progression strategy like this will help the majority of business analysts do way better than they would have if they just let time be the main factor of their progression. Got it. Now, now when it comes to these skills, Imal, like what's the best way for people to uh, kind of develop those skills? Like, is it through maybe speaking with their managers and asking them for more projects that they can work on? Should they be investing their own uh, money into uh, certain courses and workshops? Like what, what is the best way to develop these skills? 
I think the way you described it is perfect. There is no substitute for real world experience, right? So the way that we promote these skills is that we we say to people that if you're in a position right now when you where you're doing junior level work, that's your first step is you have to express interest to your manager to say, hey, the way you should and the way you should frame the conversation very specifically is not to say I want to do project work. Go to your manager and say, I feel like I'm not at my full potential. I feel like I'm being underutilized. I think I have a lot more to offer. And I see my ability to add more value to this organization by doing that type of work as well. And when you frame the conversation with your manager in that way, it's not about you, right? It's about what you can do for them. And as soon as a manager hears you speaking that way, they automatically understand that you're a person who's looking to progress. Not only that you have the desire, that you probably also have the capabilities if you see yourself that way. So that's your first step is speak to your manager and say, I, I'd like to add more value by doing more complicated work. And managers understand the math behind what certain types of work is worth. It's very clear to most managers, right? They know in the back of their minds that doing that kind of work is worth twice as much as doing this type of work. And so if you start to speak to them in that language, you're starting to open up opportunities for yourself within that same organization to start learning these skills. They may pair you, right? If you're at Ju Ju Justin's level, they may pair you with somebody like uh, an Ingrid where you can shadow and assist Ingrid on her next project. And then right after that, you're now the lead because you've already shadowed somebody. That That's exactly how my own career went, right? I started off, they would not let me lead projects very early on. And I had to shadow a senior project manager and a senior analyst. Very quickly, I found myself thrown in the deep end where they said, you own this project now, run it. And <laughs> so I went from one extreme to the other very quickly and it stressed me out a lot, but that's exactly what I was looking for in my career, right? So that's step one, speak to your own management and express interest using framing the conversation in language that appeals to them, right? Because they are always looking to figure out how they can simplify and add more value to their own organizations. The second thing is, is that if you're not formally trained as an analyst, you should strongly consider getting formally trained as an analyst because the profession is, you can learn it from somebody else, but you're gonna have, without a solid foundation of core skills, you're gonna have many questions that you're not gonna have answers to. And that sense is always probably that lingering sense that I don't know if I'm doing this exactly the way I should be. That's good, probably gonna follow you for your entire career. And so build yourself a base so that you have really a foundation to rely on to say, no, I, I'm formally trained. I know that this is the way it's supposed to be done. It's okay if we can't do it that way, but I know how it's supposed to be done. And we can now try to figure out how to take a shortcut in, in a way that, that mitigates the risks instead of us not even knowing that something needs to be done, right? right. The so value so of get that formalized training, uh, no, no depending on chat GBT, like we kind of discussed uh, when you were on earlier. You yeah, chat GPT, <laughs> it's <laughs> chat GPT can help um, as a starting point, but it it's gonna fall 
very far short of a structured program that's based on industry standards and taught by people who've been doing this for decades, right? ChatGPT is, you have to do a lot of hand-holding with ChatGPT and sometimes it'll give you a response and you think, okay, is that, that doesn't sound right. And you, you won't know enough to be able to tell whether it's right or not. And so yeah. it can slow down your learning. Um, if you're learning from somebody who does this on a daily basis, it's a, to it's a totally different ball game. I'll, I'll share a quick story of how, when I was trying to learn about risk management in the financial sector, I chose a course at U of T that was taught by the CEO of an investment firm. Why did I choose that course? Is because that instructor was coming, driving straight from Bay Street onto the campus at U of T to teach that course. And the level of depth that person can go into and the practicality that they can teach it with is very different from you trying to learn it from ChatGPT yeah. or even trying to learn it from a formal program that's not being taught by seasoned practitioners, mm. right? There's a, there's a huge range of types of programs you can get. I have, throughout my entire career, I've always gone for the instructor that has had the experience. Even when we were in undergrad, there was a lot of conversations between students. Hey, which, when should I take that course and with which instructor and why, exactly. right? We exactly. always talked about that. No, no, I know it's offered that time, but don't take it with that instructor. Take it with this other one, even if it means you wait a semester because you're going to get way more out of that course. Mm. So I'm kind of wired to think that way just because of undergrad and all the formal education I've done. But I, I try to encourage our students and anybody else who's trying to learn the profession to choose your program based on curriculum, choose it based on the instructors and do, do your research to make sure that the folks who are teaching you have done this themselves. They have to have been in the trenches to be able to answer the questions that you're going to have for them. I think that's a real challenge for many people who are in school, right? Like I experienced, like you, you, you pretty much, uh, I mean, exactly my thoughts because that's what I kind of felt when I was back in school as well. Uh, there were those professors who, who only had that pure academic knowledge. And then there were, there were those instructors and professors that actually work in the field. And like the difference is like night and day. It's uh, so, it is so different where, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the folks who know versus the folks who have just read. That's one difference. Yeah. But you should also, I think an extra characteristic to look for is for people who actually have a genuine desire to teach. Because yeah. I remember I had instructors who were at the university just to do research and teaching for them was a chore. And so they would come in and they wouldn't, they, and they would not beat around the bush. They were saying, listen, they would tell the class, this isn't my job. <laughs> my job is to do research. They make me do this. So you better stick through and get it done. <laughs> right. Yeah. So they had this mentality where to them, teaching was just a chore. It's just, it was just a way to do the job that they actually wanted to do or to make enough money to do whatever. Right. I would say the extra characteristic to look for is for somebody who has a genuine, genuine desire to teach. If you can find somebody like that, then I think you have the best of all worlds. Got it. So, so basically, step one, which you mentioned, Imal, was you know have a have a conversation, have a discussion with with your manager or your current supervisor, whoever manages you, about taking on new projects. The second thing was uh, seek or or consider formalized training 
in order to progress. Now, going back to step one, like if it's a scenario where the manager does not seem open to allowing someone to take on increasingly challenging projects or new projects, is that a sign that it's time for people to maybe consider a new a new company, a new organization? Maybe like what are your thoughts in that scenario? One hundred percent. And I know that many employers maybe don't like hearing us or me giving this that type of guidance. Yeah. But if you are not, if you're not seeing the opportunities in your own organization, again, you have two options. You can just say, I'm just going to tough it out because I don't want the discomfort of having to move somewhere else. But oftentimes your only option is to make a move to find that next opportunity. And I'd also just say that anytime you choose to make a move, you don't, um, you always make the move with the intention of coming back as a more valuable resource. So anytime I've left a job, I've always said my exit interviews, I've told my managers when I'm leaving, hey, look, I'm just going because I need to grow more, but I hope you don't consider the door closed to me coming back in the future with more. And if you actually look at my LinkedIn profile, you see that there are companies that I've worked for as a permanent employee. And I've said, hey, look, folks, I got to go. <laughs> I got to go. And then I come back 10 years later and I work for them again. And I work with many of the same folks that I'd seen 10 years ago at my permanent job, right? The intention isn't to say, you guys are not good enough for me. The intention is, hey, let me just go out there. Let me learn more. And hopefully you'll, you'll keep the door open to having me come back and provide more value to you and your organization in the future. So yeah, leave with the intention of coming back in the future with way more value. Yeah, I love that approach because you because you're being very strategic, right? You're not you're not operating from your ego. You're not like, oh, okay, you know, they didn't give me a chance, so you know, screw them. I'm out of here. Never yeah. coming back. Uh, you're you're saying, hey, Lee, okay, maybe maybe they don't have the op they they don't have the option to 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 help you get into a new project, but don't don't burn the bridge. Don't shut the door on them. Just go somewhere else, get your experience, build on that. And you never know, in the future, you might be able to come back and work on uh, more challenging projects. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, based on what you've told us about this uh, this approach, Imal, like the value-based approach, it seems like, a, uh, I mean, at least in my perspective, it seems like a great way to kind of fast track your career as well, right? I mean, it kind of cuts out a lot of time as well. Big time, big time. I think in most people who take a strategy like this, where again, focused, strictly on value, you'll find that opportunities open themselves up to you a lot more a lot and a lot more quickly because when you're constantly seeking, so the, the mindset that I'm always in is how can I do more valuable work? That's this, I need to answer that question every morning I wake up. What can I do that's more valuable to the rest of the world today than I did yesterday? And when you have that kind of mindset, you start to see opportunities where maybe you didn't see them before. Because this idea of, let's say, for example, doing project work versus support work, nobody taught me this. It was just I had to kind of build up this mindset to say, how can I increase my income? Right. That was my main goal. And my path to that was is that, well, if I it's makes logical sense if you really think about it. If I help my organization solve a $2 million problem, that's worth way more to them than if I help them solve a $50,000 problem. So mm -hmm. why am I 
continuing to solve the $50,000 problems, right? And it might not necessarily be that employer that compensates you for that extra value. But you, if you learn to provide that extra value, you'll be able to harvest that extra value somewhere else in the future, right? As long as you built up the skills. So it takes some investment. Sometimes your organization might not necessarily recognize that extra value you're providing, or if they do, they might not have the budget to support it. I mean, I've had managers who have given me a standard 3% raise and walk back into John's office. <laughs> Sorry for using his real name, but I said, John, <laughs> look at my performance assessment and you're telling me you can't give me more than 3%. I'm like, that doesn't add up. John says, hey, listen, sit down. Uh, he says, yeah, we just don't have the budget for it this year. I know that you're there and it's just we can't afford it this year. I said, yeah, that's perfectly fine. I get it. Yeah. If, and if you just tell me that, I, I say, that's fine. I, at least I know now know my options, <laughs> right? So, um, so you have to invest, you, especially very early in your career. You might have to do more complicated work for the same pay for a certain period of time. Mm. But you don't see that as wasted work. You see that as you doing keep capability building to be able to provide more value. And then you monetize that value later on. Just like, for example, I did seven years of education and I spent over a hundred thousand dollars on my education. I wasn't sitting there every day thinking to myself, oh, wow, I'm just wasting all my money. I'm thinking, oh, yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait to monetize the value of my investment. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you should always, I, I try to get folks to think, have that mindset. I, I think a lot of people get frustrated very easily. Try to encourage them to to not think that way, right? If the if you're if you've used this as a way to find a way to do higher value work, even if your current employer doesn't give you the opportunity to monetize it and they don't give you the up the a higher increase in salary, you've you now have an asset that you can monetize somewhere else. And the world is a very, very big place, despite what some folks might think, right? A lot of people have this view that, okay, this is my job. And it, like, it's a scarce, scarcity mentality where they think yeah. I, I really, I can't afford to lose this. I, I've never thought that way in my life because every time I've looked at my job and I look at the job market, I, I say, there's like a thousand jobs I could apply for right yeah. now, right? And so um, you go in with that mindset, it's not easy right? Making a job change is not easy. It's not easy to get a new job and to go through the whole process. But again, if, you, if you're following this career trajectory, you have to be willing to build up the grit and the ability to actually just push through the hard times to get yourself there, right? So I don't want to come here and sell you on the idea that, hey, you could just make a quick mindset shift and you're set. No, no, there's a lot more work that goes into it. A yeah. lot of investment. There'll be some days where you wake up and you think to yourself, you know, why am I doing this to myself? I could just have an easy life working my regular job, right? You're going to have those days and you will you might have them regularly, but you have to find a way to kind of push through that to get yourself onto this track. And once it starts working and you start seeing the value, then you think, oh, then you'll never go back to your old way of thinking, right? As soon as you start to see some of the value materialize out of this way of working, you'll never go back. Like, so for example, when I made the switch from being a permanent employee to being a 
consultant contractor, it was a very difficult switch because I had to oh. learn so much more and there was so much risk of not being able to find work, right? On a consistent yeah. basis. But once it started working, it clicked. I would, it's nearly impossible for me to go back to being a permanent employee at an organization after I've done the consulting thing. And now that I've gotten it to work really well, there's there's no there's no doubt. So that initial friction and obstacle is hard, but look, progress isn't about comfort, right? Progress is about stretching yourself and, you know, stretching yourself is, there's a lot of discomfort you have to learn to bear to be able to do that. So I don't want to make it seem like it's easier than it actually is, but I encourage people to build up the fortitude to be able to follow that path. Gotcha. Great advice there. And and now, now, Imal, since you mentioned it, I'm glad you you brought it up, brought it up the, the whole, uh, you know, thing about your end going into contracting. Um, would, would, would someone who is a contractor be able to implement these stages and progress quicker than someone who might be maybe full-time permanent? Way, way more quickly. So contracting consulting for me, if I just kind of show you my profile here, this is a quick summary of my LinkedIn profile, basically in one image. I started, I started my career in 2005. So I was getting educated before that. Between 2005 and 2012, I was a permanent employee. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's like all my permanent employee experience. From then to 2022, I've been a BA consultant and the variety of the types of projects that I've done have been huge. I've made way bigger gains between 2012 and 2022 than I did from the start to 2012. So yes. Yeah. It, it can help you make a lot more gains, but again, you got to be strategic about it and you have to choose. Um, you, sometimes you have to be a little bit picky, especially if you're in a job market like Toronto where there's a lot of work, you can't just take whatever comes, right? You have to think a little bit strategically. So there have been points across my consulting career here where I've actually taken pay cuts to work on a certain type of project. Mm -hmm. And short-term pay cut, because I see the project and I see my ability to add way more value to my next client after that. And so I've kind of taken one step back and then, you know, five steps forward constantly. So it's kind yeah. of like a teeter totter a little bit. You have to do when you think strategically, you think that way. You're not just saying, I'm just going to take whoever pays me the most. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There have been times where, you know, I've had very high paying client engagements that where I've executed on the project and we've hit post project, which is work I haven't, you know, I don't like doing because it's low value work, but the client says, no, you have the knowledge, please continue to do the work. And I say, no, I have to cut this short because mm. I got to go and go do something more valuable. It's like I, I, my making sure that I don't even veer towards the road of doing low value work is now is like an instinctual for me where as soon as I see that that even becomes a possibility, I say, no, I gotta, I gotta go this way. Right. Yeah. And so you kind of build up that instinct over time, but to short answer to your question is, is yes, absolutely. Is that you can gain a lot of progression, but again, there's a lot more involved. Right. And so um, we don't have to get into that conversation. Maybe we could do that in another live session, but when you become a contractor, there are certain creature comforts that you have that, that you don't have as a consultant that you would have as a permanent employee, right? 
like basic healthcare and pension and um, making sure just just worrying about your pension is a big deal because yeah. when you become an independent consultant, you're now starting to manage your own investment portfolio. That's like a whole new skill set you have to build <laughs> to be able to just make sure you can retire on time, right? Yeah. As a permanent employee, you don't you don't have to really worry about a lot of that type of stuff, like health insurance, life insurance. Like so, there are, it's a very comfortable place to be a permanent employee because your employer contributes so much more to the quality of life that you have. If you decide to go to become a consultant, you gotta kind of make sure you're you have a strategy to, to cover those bases as well. But I think that that would be an excellent. I mean, we can get deeply into that conversation. I know we're running short on time now, but progress is there as long as you're willing to put in the work. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with you on that. And for the folks watching, if you have questions for Imal, start putting them in the comments right now. Uh, so Imal, what I have learned um, from what you've told us so far is like this, this has to be a very proactive approach. You can't be passively, passively, you know, working on whatever project you're working on and just expecting things to pan out. You got to be proactive. You have to be willing to have those conversations with your manager or whoever you report to. You got to be willing to uh, invest in informal training. And the other thing I'm also seeing is, uh, which which you mentioned, allowed you to consider scenarios where maybe you might take on a project where you're getting paid less or maybe getting paid more, whatever the case is. Sounds like you have to be very intentional about where you want to be in the future as well. Like You can't just be kind of shooting bullets in the dark. Uh, is that kind of what you're saying as well? Yeah, that's right. Don't don't let yourself fall into the default path. And I mean, your career is probably one of the most important aspects of your life. So do, uh, don't leave it to chance. Like give it some thought, do a bit of research, put in some effort with the intent of harvesting the value in the future, essentially. Great advice there. Uh, so Imal, as we kind of wrap up, uh, any any final thoughts about these three stages? Like anything you want to add, or, or or as a reminder to everyone out there about what, you know, as people are planning their their these stages of their career. Yeah, I mean, I would say that um, if you're looking to learn the skills, we can help you with that uh, to learn the different stages of, of skills. So our foundational business analysis course starts up that covers that basic skill set that we talked about. Um, We've done a lot of research to interpret the BA Bach into the skill set and applied our own experience to choosing the skill set and building out the agile process in, in doing this. So it kind of packages up all of these different skills for you into one course that you can just take and really kind of speed yourself up. Um, if you want to do the DIY approach, let me know because I can give you some uh some pointers on where to look in the BA Bach and I can share some of our own research with you so you can kind of build up your own custom uh, uh, custom career strategy and skills development plan for your own career. Even if you don't want to take a course, uh, let me know and um, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or join our community because that's where we give a lot of the advice to uh, to members who want to take a bit of a DIY approach to it as well. Awesome. And, and for the folks tuning in, highly, highly recommend you follow Imal, uh, especially on LinkedIn. He's very prolific on LinkedIn. He's always posting uh, so much amazing content. As a recruiter myself, I, I make sure I read his posts so I better understand this, this career path because uh, business analysis is an area that I recruit on. So uh, even if you're a recruiter tuning in, maybe, you know, definitely make sure you follow uh, Imal. Definitely if you're a business analyst, make sure you follow and, uh, and check him out on LinkedIn as well. Uh, I think there are the, the link to the career stages page is a bablocks.com forward slash career. Is that the uh, 
yeah yeah that's exactly right or you can just go to ba blocks and then it's stages is right up on the on the menu there and it, it can it just kind of walks you through and this is where you can actually get access to my own career uh, as an example, or you can go to the career progression playbook. And this playbook is very detailed. I mean, it walks through the rationale, all the different areas of your career you could explore. You don't have to do them all at once. It, it shows you exactly what value is. So we basically start at the basics, get a clear understanding of value, right? And then figure out what kind of skills you need to build at each stage and why. And so, um, if you're doubtful of this strategy, I'd say just read this and see if you're still doubtful of it after that, right? And if you are, send me a question. Let me walk you through the rationale, right? Um, just using my own career as an example. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll walk you through the rationale and, and help you to understand that the effort is worth the payoff if, uh, if, you, put, if you put in that effort. Awesome. Uh, Imal, thanks so much for sharing so much uh, great details and information uh, with, you know, with my audience. And uh, for everyone tuning in, hope everyone got value out of the session. I'm going to get into the questions now. Uh, so let's see here. I'm going to go to the comments. Um, so, Imal, you kind of touched on this, but if there's anything you want to add, Unsung Hero Heroes on YouTube says, so how did you 5X instead of 3X your income? Uh, any, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, so 5X in the income, I'll tell you the strategy to follow there if you're interested in doing that. So I guess you're referring to this. So from... Just to be clear, it's when I started my career, I 2X'd it in about, it took me about 10 years to 2X it. And then it took me another 10, 10 years of consulting basically to 5X from the very beginning, just to be clear about what, what that number looks like. The strategy here is, is that you're billing by the hour, essentially. That's where you're going to get the majority of the income gain is that you're not on a salaried basis anymore. And mm -hmm. so what what the what you're doing essentially is is that at this point right here is when I decided to get into contracting consulting and between here and here I tripled more than tripled my rate in in the market. And so that's part of what helped me boost my income a lot more from the very beginning and even from here. And so if you start billing hourly, you your potential for how much money you can make goes up a lot more than if you're a salaried employee. That's essentially where the key difference between those two different things. The 3x income here is my speculation of the best case scenario of where I would have ended up if I had just followed this time-based strategy. Gotcha. Okay, awesome. So Unsung Heroes, hope that kind of clears up uh, your question there. Uh, let's see, we got a question here. Um, okay, so we got uh, Samiula. So uh, Samiula is asking, I'm taking a BA course. However, the opportunity to get started in BA is very competitive. They demand experience, skill sets, even for an entry-level role. What should I do to proactively prove myself and make my value known and then apply for entry-level role? So... To make your value known, so let me think that through a little bit because I think there are, let's let's unpack that a little bit. Um, if you're taking a course and you don't have any experience, then you, I think you have to be very, 
maybe a little bit hard on yourself, but not too hard, but just be very honest with yourself and say, okay, what's my true value in the market? Now, as somebody with no experience in just education, most employers are going to see that as a lower value skill set. And I don't, it's not to put anybody down or anything, but that's just how employers view, uh, view education versus experience. So for example, nobody cares about my education. They just say, what, have you done this type of a job before? That's anytime I have a new client, they don't care that I have a master's degree. They don't care. I have an undergrad. They say, have you done this specific type of project before? That's yeah. the biggest question that they ask. So for somebody who's just trying to break in without any experience, your workaround to that is to get yourself into another role inside of an organization that has the opportunities you want. So it's it's a longer path. I'll give you a perfect example. If you want to be a business analyst who is in HR, try to become an HR business partner. Becoming an HR business partner takes a lot less effort um, to get into an organization to do that type of work. Become an HR generalist, right? Follow the path of HR. You learn about the domain. You learn about the processes, which is very valuable as a business analyst. You get all of that domain knowledge, and then you look for an HRIS business analyst job inside of that same company. That's your entryway into the profession. And that you could, I used HR as an example, but you could do that with almost any domain. Get into finance. Are you an accountant? Do you have an accounting background? Become an accountant. Get into an organization who, and every company needs accountants and HR people. Absolutely. Every single one in the world, right? So getting into an organization like that, you have way more opportunities, but you get into an accounting job and then you try to get yourself as a subject matter expert on a project that's related to accounting. And then you eventually try to become a business analyst. Once you get into your organization, you get closer, the, the future step becomes a lot clearer to you. But if you don't have any experience and you're trying to walk in through the front door with, you know, 10,000 other people, it, your chances of getting in might be a little bit lower. So follow this roundabout strategy to get in through the back door. Awesome. So Samuela, hope that helps. Uh, let us know in the comments. Uh, we got a question. So it's not really related to today's topic per se, but Omer Khan on YouTube is asking, what channels do you use to gain corporate clients as a contractor? Any advice there for, for people out there, Aimo? Recruiters. So <laughs> <laughs> one short word is recruiters. Um, recruiters perform a very important function in the market, right? Because what a recruiter does is they have, they understand where the opportunities are and they try to figure out how to serve their clients who are the companies by placing analysts. So you have to make sure that you have your resume in as many recruiter databases as possible. You got to start there if you want to gain clients. What happens is though you have to have a, if you're thinking strategically, you get to do a project with a client through a recruiter for five years later, you might be able to work with that client directly and start to build your own client base. So I, for example, most of my, I think probably the first three to four contracts came through recruiters and without even prompting them, the, the folks that I delivered for called me directly and said, hey, we need you back. Are you able to come do this work for us? And now they be, after that, they became my client when I started to go direct. And so once you start to build a bit of a client base, um, then the work just 
kind of snowballed from there because you you have five clients, all of whom have, you know, five, six different projects they're running. There's zero shortage of work once you start to build your own client base. So it takes time to get there, but you have to start with recruiters. That's the fastest, most effective way is to find yourself a good recruiter. And also I would say understand understand how the recruitment business works a little bit so your expectations are not out of whack because i think a lot of folks see recruiters as representing them and recruiters do not represent analysts recruiters represent the clients so if you can get a recruiter to spend time with you you're lucky because that recruiter sees the value in spending time with you because they think okay like so for example when i did my first contract there were two recruiters that helped me get placed in that in that uh, organization. And they stayed in constant touch with me because of the feedback they got from their client. Exactly. Because their client said, yeah, we're definitely going to hire this guy again. And so they thought, oh, we need to spend more time with Imal because we're going to be able to place him not just with this client, but they have a whole book of new clients that they can place me with. Yeah. They get that kind of a signal. Now they're motivated to spend more time with me, right? And so... You get your first contract, you better work your butt off and it doesn't matter how you get treated. It doesn't matter how uh, how low the pay is. Build yourself a good reputation because you have to, once they signal to you that or to your recruiters that you're somebody that they want to hire again, that starts to give you some more leverage and it helps you to build your reputation. So a yeah, bit of a long answer, but hopefully that's that that answers it. Absolutely. Uh, and I can definitely attest to that as a recruiter myself. Like, uh, you know, when we get that positive feedback from clients, guaranteed, I'm going to keep in touch, frequent contact with this with this contractor. Right. Uh, I'm going to keep them in mind for future future, you know, other contracts, maybe with the same client, maybe with other clients, because as a recruiter, I feel more confident because I know that they're going to deliver. So uh, that's great advice there. Imal, very, very applicable to, uh, you know, the real world. Right. So, uh, folks, that's all for today. I hope everyone enjoyed today's segment. Imal, thank you so much. As usual, you shared so much great information. Uh, so, again, folks, make sure you check out uh, uh, Imal's website for more details about today's topic as well as more information about how Imal can help you. Again, it's bablocks.com forward slash career or just go to the main page, bablocks.com. Uh, and people can also join your community. Is that right, uh, Imal? Like you have a community that people can uh, sign up for? Yeah, we open up once a month, um, but so we're starting, we're opening up again next month to new members. Nice. Going forward, it may be open to everybody. So we're still considering that option, but yeah, we open up once a month and new members join uh, and we'll be opening up soon next month. Gotcha. All right. So folks, make sure you check it out, bablocks.com forward slash career. Uh, Imal, again, as usual, always great to have you here. I'm, I'm, sh I'm sure for sure we're going to have you uh, again in the future to talk about uh, other topics related to business analysis. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure you like, share. Make sure you reshare this with your network as well. And I'll, we'll see you around next time. Thanks so much, Imal, and thanks so much, everyone. Have a fantastic day. Take care, everyone.